Up World. Your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Blazers your first listen every single day, available on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. And today's episode is a very special one. We are joined by a writer for USA Today and ForTheWin.com, and a former Oregon Duck himself, Brian Kalbrowski. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you uh, having me on and it's cool to be here because uh, I know you've been mentioning my name lately and that's really exciting. Well, you're doing good work on the NBA draft stuff and this podcast has pivoted to being diving into NBA draft stuff and I need experts like you, Brian. (laughs) I need people who do this year round and talk to prospects and talk to people connected to the draft. I need your help. So uh, the reason I've been repping your name is because I've been relying on your work. Uh, The NBA Combine just wrapped up last week. Uh, This is Monday, May 23rd show. So thank all of you for listening. But last week, the NBA Combine wrapped up. Um, what and how do we learn stuff during the NBA combine? Like what, what can we learn and sort of how are we able to learn it? Well, there's a lot that you can learn, um, but it really depends on how a prospect approaches, uh, what he chooses to participate in. And, you know, that's often up to the agency and based off of, you know, how much, uh, momentum the prospect has coming into everything. And, um, you know, some guys aren't going to show anything. Some guys will just measure, some guys will, um, you know, do measuring athletic testing. Some will do everything. And then there's the pro days as well. And, um, you know, I think the most useful information uh, is going to be the face-to-face interactions that these guys are going to have with the teams because I think that, you know, they're out there interviewing for jobs. How you conduct yourself during that uh, and the conversations you have with these people um, are going to be lasting impressions because ultimately I think your on-court performance is going to be evaluated uh, based off of your game film from however many years that they've been watching you for. So for the most part, they have a pretty good idea, these teams, of, of who the guy is uh, on the court. Uh, so you get a little bit more sense of them off the court uh, when you get to meet them and uh, really talk to them in the capacity of, hey, we're interested in drafting you. Uh, I also think that measurements are probably the next most important part. Uh, it's very sure. interesting, you know, seeing things um, of the exact numbers for certain people. I mean, you know, there there were everyone's lost 30 pounds. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's body fat is tremendous. Everyone's, you know, this, this and that until eventually, you know, you get to the point where you have to step on the scale or you have to say, Hey, I know I say I'm six, seven on my team's website, but I'm actually six, four and a half uh, without you. So, you know, these are things you get to know for sure now. And um, I think that it's a great opportunity for, uh, this is going to be a hot name probably in this episode, but over the next few weeks in general, Someone like Jalen Williams, who has like a 7'2 sure. wingspan, um, and I think he had like a 40-inch max vertical as well or somewhere in that range. So, you know, being able to have, you know, impressive standing reach and athletic testing numbers, I think would definitely be uh, the, the next most important thing. And then, you know, scrimmages are helpful for some people. It was really helpful for someone uh, to evaluate uh, someone like Leonard Miller, who we hadn't seen against. Uh, top-level competition because he's coming from the high school circuit in Canada. I think it's helpful for some of the overtime elite guys, some of, uh, you know, those guys who we haven't really seen, you know, playing against these sort of players before. But for the most part, you know, if you're 0 for 10 from the field, that's not a great look. But if you don't have a great shooting day and you shot 40% over the course of four years, I think we know you're a pretty good shooter. 
you know, when I just be nerves or whatever it might be. So, you know, for the most part, scrimmages are definitely important um, and they can help and they can hurt. Uh, but I think it's the least important of the group because for the most part, we have so many players already and we know what they've done. Yeah. One time uh, a former Blazers employee explained to me that about 90% of their scouting was tape and 10% was like sort of the workouts, interviews and stuff like that, unless someone above them made the decision and then the 10% became the 90% and the, and the rest of it flopped. So like the, the, the homework and the stuff that scouting departments are doing around the league has already been done and now you're kind of finalizing it. Um, but things can change this time of year. You, you mentioned a name. I want to touch on him. Jalen Williams seems like the guy who um, helped himself the most probably at the combine. Who is he and how did he do it? Yeah, his name is Jalen Williams, and it's particularly confusing because there's another Jalen Williams in the class, and it's similarly draftable <laughs> yeah. range out of Arkansas. Thankfully, uh, they do spell their names different, and they are different positions. Uh, they're actually both classified right now as testing the water, so there's a chance that one, both, or neither uh, will return to college. Um, but if they both stay in the draft, uh, and one of them hears their name called, and it's not them getting drafted on draft night, that's going to be a weird feeling, I'm sure. Um, so I'll, I'll preface that by just saying that Jalen Williams is a immediately confusing player, um, because of that reason, uh, just based on the name. Uh, but there's also like seven other Williams in the class as an aside, uh, Alondis Williams, Mark Williams, the other Jalen Williams, Vince Williams. Um, you know, there's, there, there's, there's going to be a record for Williams drafted this year. I can guarantee that <laughs> for sure. Um, but anyway. Uh, I was talking to an NBA scout today, um, basically, and, you know, he was telling me, listen, I'm upset. Like, Jalen Williams is no longer my secret. Um, you know, he, he's definitely uh, a slashing guard um, who, who is, um, you know, an above-average playmaker, uh, you know, an above-average rebounder, a good scorer, you know, a willing shooter. Uh, and he's somebody who, who I think did wonders for himself because, you know, he showed he was efficient. Um, during the, the combine scrimmages, uh, but really it was the athletic testing um, and the measurements that, that jump off the page because, you know, I think that he is, I want to say 6'4", uh, but he has a 7'2 wingspan. It's like cartoonish um, in terms of uh, that difference right there. And I think that, you know, having that sort of a body is great for the NBA right now. It's going to go a long way um, to being able to, um, allow him to guard multiple positions. He also finished 90th percentile or better uh, in the three-quarter sprint, standing vert as well. Uh, so he's, he's fast, he's agile, um, you know, he can jump. He, he definitely is somebody who I think, um, you know, I actually, I, I, I use an app that uh, does similarity scores um, to other players across the league. And uh, one of the players that his athletic testing and his body type is most similar to uh, is Norman Powell. Um, so a name that's wow. uh, definitely interesting uh, to you guys in Portland. Um, you know, I think that yeah. uh, Norman Powell's definitely had a good NBA career as well so far. And, um, you know, I think that that's not necessarily a dissimilar player to compare him to. Yeah, this is this is Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, as opposed to Jalen Williams, Arkansas, for those of you scoring at home. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, who, you know, so Jalen Williams seems to be the name, uh, the Santa Clara guard seems to be the name that, 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 like you said, like the athletic testing and all these things, like if he's Norman Powell, um, 
you know, in a redraft, Norm wouldn't have gone in the second round. He's been a, you know, first round type production also made $90 million last summer. So it worked out. Okay. It worked out. Okay. For your boy, Norm, uh, can people hurt themselves at combine week? Like, can guys get, uh, you know, like you said, everyone's in the best shape of their life, all these things, but can, did, can people hurt themselves at combine week? And did anyone you think in your estimation fall in their sort of draft evaluation? Yeah, I think several people definitely hurt themselves. Uh, I think the most intriguing player in this class is Leonard Miller. Um, he, mm -hmm. he's somebody who is six eleven. um, you know, really, really, you know, ideal, uh, frame for the NBA, uh, lefty ball handler, shot creator. Um, but you know, his allure for the last months for me has been his mystique. I mean, you know, I did a long feature on him. I had a chance to talk to him and some scouts and some people in his camp, his high school coach, uh, about his game and everything. And, you know, the way you talk about it, you start buying into like, is this a seven foot tall shake of Alexander or, or is this closer to like a, you know, a Kyle Anderson type where it's a little bit more tertiary, but he's still, you know, making great plays at seven, you know, seven feet tall. Uh, is this Pascal Siakam in transition? You start, you know, daydreaming of all these things you can be. Um, and then, you know, you see him on the court and it was relatively underwhelming. Uh, the speed of the sure. game looked a little fast for him. And, you know, he, he no longer had a 95% usage rate, the same thing he did in high school, which, you know, <laughs> was awesome for him in high school uh, because he had to really show, listen, I can carry an entire offense at seven feet tall. That's a thing most seven footers don't do. Um, but, you know, on the other side, um, I think when you're not standing out against, you know, these guys who might not even get drafted, it's going to be harder and harder to stand out against NBA players next year. So no one was going to draft Leonard Miller based off what they thought he was going to do next year. I think if anyone had told you that they thought that Leonard Miller would be a favorite to win rookie of the year or all rookie, um, you know, considerations at all next year uh, would definitely be lying to you because that's not why you draft someone like Leonard Miller. I mean, that's closer to why you draft someone like a Herb Jones, who maybe was my favorite rookie to watch last year besides Scotty Barnes. But um, I think that, uh, for, for someone like Leonard, you draft him for, you know, what he can be in four years. But, you know, the way I looked at it with Leonard, is like, if you draft him with a first round pick now, and I think that it's not necessarily the worst thing to do that. Um, I don't think he's going to be ready to play in the NBA next year, but I don't think he'd be ready to play necessarily the year after that either. So, you know, now if you have him locked in for four years, you might not even see him on the court one time for those two years. And that uh, gets a little uh -oh. tough. Is he is he two years away from being two years away? Uh -oh. so I did. I did include that, you know, as a little bit of an aside, like in my feature on him. And I think that the mystique of what he had before the combine um, definitely made him uh, a potential top 20 pick. And now, I mean, I don't really necessarily see the Oklahoma City Thunder passing on him four times. Um, Tor right. Toronto has the 32 pick um, and he's from the area. And he fits that archetype of what they've been looking for, of the tall wing ball handler type playmakers who can play and guard multiple positions. And I don't necessarily see Toronto passing them on him at 32 either, but um, I, if they do, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either. So I think that, you know, he may have fallen from 20 to, I'm not sure where. He's also looking at G League Ignite. He's looking at uh, Kentucky. He's looking at Arizona. Um, this isn't, you know, reporting necessarily but i think most scouts expect him to stay in the draft um so i think that maybe it would go lower i think that he's going to go later in the draft now than he maybe would have before the combine and i think there are some other guys who maybe didn't interview particularly well um you know i've heard of multiple players who, who cried during their interviews with certain games i don't know how intense the conversations went to get to that point 
I didn't ask too many follow-ups on that because that felt a little weirdly personal to know. Um, but, you know, I don't think that necessarily helped them. And I think that, you know, ultimately there were guys who, you know, you start asking about like player comps and this happens every year, but, you know, there's a, there's a guy who says like, I think that, you know, my closest comp is like Kevin Durant or like, I think I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan or whatever. It's like, that's great. But you need to say like, there are things about these players that I love and, you know, maybe right away I'm, you know, they're just more thoughtful ways to answer something. So I think there's a bunch of things yeah. where, you know, a guy will tell you like, I have nothing I need to improve on. That's not a good sign. You know, when you ask, like, when you ask, like, what are some of your weaknesses? And then the guy doesn't say anything, you know, like I'm perfect. Then it's like, I don't know if I need you around my team. If you think that's going to be the case <laughs> right away. Yeah, that's, uh, th- listen, everyone's had a, a job interview go bad. They, it's uh, maybe not everyone, but many of us have had a job interview go bad where you, uh, you maybe not given them the answer they want. Uh, let's, let's talk Blazer stuff. Uh, I want to ask you, the Blazers have seven, 36 and 57 in this draft. You're one of the few brave people out here who has mocked uh, uh, all every pick in the draft. I've what never, brave yeah, enough to- I've never just done first down mock weirdly. I always do two rounds. One of the one of the few of the brave. So I want to ask you about all those picks uh, to close the show. I want to, we'll, we'll switch into Blazers talk, uh, but first I want to tell my listeners about Sakara, a wellness company anchored in food as medicine. It's on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Their nutritionally designed, chef crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. From their best selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals. Anytime, anywhere, and right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right. Let's keep it rolling, chatting here with Brian Kalbrowski of forthewin.com over at USA Today. Who do you like at seven for the Blazers? Blazers get. Let's just assume the Blazers make their pick at seven. Who in that range do you like for them? You could give me sort of best fits or who you think they might pick or a combination of both. Yeah, I mean, I think Mathurin's been the guy that most people are expecting them to take right now based on the early mocks. He's definitely been like the overwhelming favorite of, of guys who are, are mocked over there. And I get it. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good... Uh, I think he's going to be a good NBA wing. I have uh, serious concerns about Mathurin on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, and I don't think that he is going to be a problematic defender. Um, but I think that that maybe makes him closer to late lottery than early lottery for me. Uh, because I think that, you know, perimeter defense and uh, wing defense is something that uh, the Blazers need uh, quite a bit. Desperately. And I think <laughs> it's the main reason why we haven't seen Portland, like I think to a T, like the main reason why we haven't seen Portland go farther uh, in the playoffs, um, you know, over the last era of Damian Lillard. And I think that um, Mathurin's not going to do much to help that. And I don't think you draft necessarily for uh, positional need or fit or anything like that right now. I want, you know, at this pick, I think you want to draft best player available, um, you know, 10 times out of 10. That's how you end up with, you know, 
I'm not going to mention, you know, guys, people have passed on in the past in Portland for that reason, but it's, but it's happened. Um, and I, I think that the, I'm not saying that you draft for need, but what I am saying is that defense really matters. And I think that there are guys who play really, really well on, on both sides of the ball um, that maybe make more sense um, that, that I would even like. And I don't necessarily think this is who they'll go with, but, you know, I really, really like Dyson Daniels in that regard. Um, I think that he's a great two-way uh, guard wing. You know, he, he kind of ran the show for G League Night, uh, Australian uh, pl- uh, playmaker uh, who, who I think is a, a plus uh, defensive prospect in a lot of ways. Six, ten and a half wingspan, um, you know, really, really fast. And uh, I think that, you know, kind of similar body type to like a Dante Axum uh, coming out of, out of uh, Australia uh, as well. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, he definitely is somebody who, um, you know, will, will help with that perimeter defense long term. And I think that that matters to, to an NBA team. Uh, I think that is that is probably the earliest I would pick him is at seven. Uh, but I think that he should get consideration there. Um, I think in a similar range, the other, you know, really, really good defenders who I think are going to help uh, immediately potentially uh, are Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor and Tari Eason out of LSU. Um, Tari Eason just had. Uh, a historic season on a defensive playmaking standpoint. Uh, he was putting up numbers that we have just almost never seen from a steal rate and block rate perspective. Um, you know, just Matisse Tybal-esque, Gary Payton II-esque coming out of college. Um, but he's a more willing and capable shooter uh, than either of those guys were at the same age and development perspective too. And, um, you know, I think that uh, he, he's a very athletic guy, you know, great dunker, uh, loves attacking the basket. Uh, and, I, and I think that, that Eason probably isn't going to hear his name at seven. Um, but I think we might look back at that next year and be like, wait, why didn't we consider him at seven? Like, what are we missing here? So um, I, why isn't he at seven, though? Like, because right now he's not like early on in the draft process. I thought Tari Eason at seven was going to be about right. And now it seems like most mocks have him in the teens. What happened what, why do you think he's in the teens right now? Echo chamber. I have him at seven on my board, or actually I have him at eight on my board. Um, I think you start, I think mock drafts are lazy. Uh, I think a lot of times you, you start assuming people who make the mock drafts are hearing things and you start saying, well, if he has him at seven, then maybe that's just someone that Portland actually likes. So it starts becoming a trendy pick and then it becomes a bit of an echo chamber in that sense, like uh, in a problematic way. Um, I think that, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. If you start seeing the same guy dropping in every mock draft, it's probably because he didn't play well at the combine, or it's probably because there's intel about him that's not great. I mean, there were red flags about Bull Bull uh, being and during the mock drafts beforehand as well. Um, and, right. and then you saw that on draft night, what happened. I don't know people expected it to go that bad, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like out of nowhere. Um, so, you know, tea leaves can be helpful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, like I have – uh, Eason and Sohan back to back on my board um, with uh, Dyson Daniels in that exact same you know chamber uh, because I think that that's how you win in the NBA right now. Um, I think that you yeah. need you need to play both sides of the ball. You need to have um, you know be efficient on offense and contribute value on defense. And those are the guys who I think do that. Um, and I think that you know Eason will be able to contribute immediately. Um, Sohan is younger; he's two years younger almost to the day uh, of the Neeson. So he, he's 19 and he's 21. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, they're actually the younger guys, not the worst thing either, either because that's closer to, you know, 
the Amperty Simons trajectory and, and that age group, sure. um, which is going to be part of Portland's uh, next few years too. So um, I definitely think that those are the three names that I maybe have circled. And, you know, you're going to see more AJ Griffin's um, mock over there. Uh, I think that that's even more of a concern defensively than Mathurin. Um, and I think that, you know, he's a great shooter, but again, kind of leads into the same problems Portland's been having. Um, I think that you will probably see some Jalen Durans. Um, I, I was going to ask you about him. What do you, what do you think about Duran? You know, scouts have questioned his motor, uh, quite a bit. Um, and you know, post centric players with low motors and, um, uh, no shooting ability, uh, don't really entice me right now. I, I think he's a fine pick in the late lottery because defensively he can maybe even win, you know, a defensive player of the year potentially one day uh, because of the way that, you know, he's able to guard the rim. Um, but, but I think that, that I think that he's closer to a late lottery guy for me um, than, than he is a top seven guy. Um, I think that he uh, is built and, and almost physically resembles like a young Dwight Howard. Like it's, it's appealing. I get it. Um, but he, he's not, he's not somebody that I would use to pick on, um, unless he started to fall really late, um, in which case it's not a whole different conversation, but, uh, there, there are definitely other people, um, who, who catch my attention a lot more than, than him. You, you mentioned the echo chamber. I think, uh, NBA draft time of year is a really heavy group think time. And for me, as someone who doesn't spend a lot of, I spend like, you know, six weeks or whatever learning about the NBA draft. I do not do this year round. I'm not a big college basketball guy. So I'm, I'm a vic- I can be a victim of the group think thing, right? Like I'm reading a lot of mock drafts. And if I see a guy like I see Tarice and, oh, he's the 14th pick. I kind of now think he's the 14th pick. How do you, when you are someone who does this, you know, for a living, how do you go about building your big board, building your mock drafts um, to specifically avoid the echo chamber? Well, I have become more and more reluctant to put a big board publicly uh, because I don't want to necessarily have my name associated with uh, some of the opinions that I'm going to have about some of these players because uh, maybe it might be a little too negative or maybe I'm just foolishly high on someone and I don't need to have that on, on wax. Um, and <laughs> that's one of the reasons I, I talked to an NBA scout today, like I was telling you, and, um, you know, he was asking me who I would pick at one. And I said, Chet, but I don't have my job on the line. Like I'm going to get paid right. my same salary, no matter who I put in the mock draft. Um, sure. And I can take a bigger risk. You know, I'm probably going to, if like, if I put out a big board, I'd probably have Usman Dieng from the New Zealand breakers at five. I love his game. Think that he's got all the upside in the world. I like him a little bit more than Shaden Sharp. And I think Shaden Sharp is six. So it's not like it's a sure, huge drop right, off, right, right, but right. like I think he's a more interesting player. But I don't lose my job if like <laughs> if that doesn't pan out. So um, you know, I think it's being willing to know that like I'm not drafting for an NBA team. I'm only drafting for hypotheticals here. Um and draft for for the win.com, baby. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I think that that's kind of something I like to consider uh, is, is that I don't have as much at play here. Um, so it's a little bit less serious and sometimes a safer pick maybe makes more sense. And sometimes, you know, a riskier pick, you know, picking someone seven or eight spots higher than they're expected to go um, is a lot easier to do on paper than it is in practice. And there's a fan base to, you know, bring the, uh, bring the angry gavels against you. So um, I, I like to remember that about myself is that I have to, you know, remember that, it's it's just my opinion and it is what it is but 
Um, you know, I, I also I also do a lot of what I do um, with the pre-draft interviews uh, that I've been publishing uh, as a sense to yep. get to know somebody and how they view their game. Because I'll start to buy into somebody for sure uh, after I talk to them, or I'll maybe not. Um, but there are definitely players who have helped themselves quite a bit on my mock drafts and big boards because I'm like, that's how you see yourself. That's how you talk. That's how you think you're going to contribute in the NBA. I get it now. Okay. Sounds good. This would be a good home for you then. Or okay, maybe you wouldn't fit in that system or, you know, who's going to love you, this coach or that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think that uh, Isaiah Stewart out of Washington was really a trending lower pick um, because he had a tough, tough, tough season in Washington. It was bad. Um, but I heard him talk for like a minute and a half. We talked for 45 minutes. After a minute and a half, I was like, I fear for myself right now if I have you lower on my big board. You know, like I do not want right. that. So um, that kind of confidence goes a long way. You know, someone like Desmond Bain or Xavier Tillman, guys that Memphis has been drafting lately, Brandon Clark. You know, I talked to them and I'm like, these are pros. They're going to contribute right away. They're smart. They know what they are. They know how they're going to add value. This makes sense. You know, it's a safe, smart, easy pick. Sure. And it made it just made, it was like a one to one thing. Um, so I definitely keep that in mind as well. Um, and guys like that tend to, you know, do well on draft night too. Uh, and guys who, you know, maybe don't perform as well during the interview process, uh, don't. You know, it's like not a one to one. There are guys who are not likable get picked high every year. Um, but you know, you gotta if you're employing this, you're like your first round pick. You probably have them on contract for four years. I want to draft somebody you want to be around for the next four years for your teammates. Um, you know, you, you want to draft somebody who, uh, is going to be a good coworker and a good team player. Yeah. I remember, uh, this is another sort of a previous regime of the Blazers front office because I've been doing this for too long, but someone explaining it to me early in a draft class is like some of it, some of the evaluation is, does this guy get it? Yeah. And they were specifically at the time talking about Brad Beal and they were like, I would bet any money on Brad Beal being a good pro because talking to him, he gets it. Um, and it was like, it was just like, listen, there's some skill stuff and he's going to be in that at the time it was like three through seven range, right? Like he wasn't going to necessarily be at the very, very top of the draft, but it was like, if he's there, I would bet on him cause he gets it. And it's like, he, it was just like the interview, that interview process, the job interview process. This guy spoke to, you know, ch- chatted a little bit with Brad Beal and was like, yep, I bet on him figuring it out because he just, he understands this whole process really well. And and the Boston guys, um, you know, Brown and Tatum were the same way. Um, I remember sure. seeing Jalen Brown talk for five and a half seconds. And I'm like, this guy's going to play. He was so smart. Yeah. That's an 18 year old. Like, he was ridiculous. Like, this yeah. guy's going to play 15, 20 years in the NBA at least. You know, yeah. I don't care what he did yeah. at Berkeley. Like, he's got the right build. He's going to put in the work to get better. You know, you need to have that hunger, but you also need to have uh, the understanding of the game and ways you need to get better. Um, and, like, you know, I think that he he got it. You know, Tatum got it. Tatum learned it from Beal in a lot of ways, actually. Um, and I think a lot of these guys um, maybe don't necessarily get it. Some guys don't watch much basketball. Uh, and that's yeah. fine. Um, but I think that the reason why, you know, like Kobe and Jordan, like are who they are is because like, or you know, on the court, like, it's because they're, they're maniacs, you know, to, to want it to get better and better and better and better. And you see the same thing with Giannis now and Luca. I mean, these guys are right. like, like crazy, um, like crazy workers. <laughs> and, um, and I think that that really goes a long way to improving your game once you're in the league and the guys who think they're already, you know, perfect, like tend to not get that much better. You see a lot of guys who are about as good and sometimes worse 
uh, than they were when they were 18, 19 years old once they're in the league. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that hunger, that desire, that willingness to improve uh, tends to go a long way to your actual ability to improve. Um, you know, it's not always going to be a one-to-one correlation, but if you're in this far in the draft process, you're probably pretty physically gifted uh, and you're probably pretty sure. talented. Uh, so then it's going to be that, that, that shoulders up thing. And I was with Josh yeah. Primo on draft night um, you know, here in New York City last year. And um, he was 18, youngest player in the draft. You know, I don't think he was even turned 19 until Christmas last year. Um, right. I mean, that man had poise well beyond his years, well beyond NBA veterans I've spoken to. Maturity, shoulders up, he got it. I was not surprised at all that Popovich loved him. Um, and sure. that sort of thing matters. Like it was everybody roasting the pick on Twitter being like, Oh, it was too high. Yeah. It was too high. It's like, you haven't talked to this kid, man. Like, like yeah. you don't know what he's going to be in four years and he doesn't either. But realistically, like him at 22 is someone that I think is going to be really, really interesting and still two years younger than Duarte. Um, you know, at that yeah. point, uh, after right. his first contract. So it's like, I don't know. I I, I I thought it was a smart pick and an ability to get him to, you know, imagine he's going to get better. And and Scotty Barnes was the same thing. I mean, anyone who met Scotty Barnes in their life was like, that's one of my favorite people I've ever met. Like, I love <laughs> Scotty Barnes. Everyone always raves about Scotty Barnes. I mean, he has infectious energy. And you see it on the court. You see it in the way he does interviews. You see it everywhere. And it was like, yeah, dude, I'm not surprised. I was the only mock from the mainstream that I think had Scotty at four uh to toronto and yeah in a redraft i think he goes higher um yeah you know, he might not like necessarily a he lot really... higher because there were some players picked ahead of that word right it's a good draft exactly but, yeah but, exactly shoot i mean i'd consider scotty at one if he were in this class yeah yeah uh i want to ask you about second round picks because you're as at this time of year as uh as as confident as anyone or at least as willing to put it out there as anyone but first i want to tell my listeners about bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action and the place with more lines more props more odds than ever before if you want to bet on the nba playoffs the nhl playoffs uh, i know soccer in europe is ending but soccer here at home is still rolling along you can also bet on tennis tournaments or combat sports whatever you're into you can find it on bet online that's bet online where the game starts Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers. Still chatting with Brian Kalbrowski of USA Today and ForTheWin.com. Brian, give me some names. Blazers, let's just go with 36. I think predicting at 57 is really hard. <laughs> I don't want you to have to predict 56 picks out. Uh, th- names at 36 when the Blazers have an early second rounder that you like for Portland. Yeah, I'm going to pull up a consensus board right now and just bring up some names that I think. Um, I, I got a, probably, I got a couple here too. Good. All right. Yeah, good. But I'll, I would probably take in that range. Um, consensus board. The guy closest to that that I'm in love with is Jake Laravia out of Wake Forest. Um, I like him too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he. I mean, if he's still on the board, he might not be because he shut it down before scrimmages. So he might have a first round promise. But if he, he might have a first. Yeah, right. But if he happens to be in that range, I would I would definitely go uh, run in to grab him. Um, he's somebody who's just going to play you know, 15 years in the league and could be an NBA coach afterwards, kind of a guy. Um, you know, I think that he, he gets it. We, he, he and I were going over my big board together and he knew about guys in, in Europe and over time and ignite, you know, and giving opinions on like, he's a hoop junkie and he's six foot nine. He's the same agent as Austin Reeves from the Lakers. Um, in the same way, Austin Reeves contributed immediately. I think Jake could as well, except for the fact that Jake's also six foot nine. 
Um, he's big, yeah. yeah. Like he's a big dude. So uh, I think he's also 20, whereas Austin, I think, was like 23 or 24. So that is great. I'm a huge fan of him in that range. Um, Leonard Miller could be on the board. Uh, hard to imagine um, anyone with more upside uh, in the world than Leonard Miller. Um, but we also may never see him on an NBA court. So it might be a little bit of a risky pick in that range. Um, Ryan Rollins out of Toledo, uh, if, he's in that, if he's in that range, I would really like to see him. Uh, he shut down the combine scrimmages after one day, so he might have a promise as well. Um, but, you know, I, I talked to him. Um, he, he definitely, I mean, he like his, uh, he, he talks about CJ McCollum. It's like a huge like inspiration for him. Definitely got a lot of those vibes from him, you know. Um, not a huge, uh, you know, not a huge guard, but, you know, good playmaker, a good scorer above average defense for his position, I think, above average rebound for his position, I think. Um, Dalen Terry uh, is someone I really, really like at Arizona if he chooses to stay in this class. Um, I think he will, uh, but he might not. Uh, he is a big six foot seven playmaker and multi-position defender um, who I think can, can really add value uh, on, on both sides of the ball, uh, even with a low, low usage rate. Um, you know, he's willing to make his teammates better. Uh, and that's something that I uh, want to see uh, from from my picks. So uh, those are some guys in that range that I like. And I oh, and also you know what, John Butler at Florida State, if he happens to be there, okay. and if he stays in the class, uh, huge fan of him. Nearly seven foot tall, weighs as much of a twig, but he but he is a three point shooter and shot blocker. And shoot, that's kind of what you need. Uh, a name that's that's like uh, popular in Blazers' world is Christian Coloco from uh, from Arizona. Do you like him at thirty six, or do you think he'll go a little bit deeper? Uh, I like him at thirty six, just fine. Um, I don't think his game is dissimilar, honestly, from uh, Jalen Duran. You know, I don't think that they're. I mean, Jalen Duran is like way more accomplished, um, but sure. but Coloco is is pretty young, all things considered. Um, I think I could be wrong about that. Um, and I think that he is right in that exact range from my consensus. I think he's at like 36 on my consensus board that I track. Um, so that seems like a, like a, like a good range for him. Um, he's somebody who I think, you know, could be a starting five in the league and, uh, more likely like a rotation five in the league. Um, but you know, not necessarily a multi-position type of guy, um, which I think I love versatility. I like Jake LaRavia because you can right. play him, you know every position. I think the same thing with Dalen Terry, um, you know, same thing with Usman Diang, you know, the, the guys that I like uh, tend to be closer to that, um, you know, almost Scotty Barnes archetype that I mentioned earlier. Um, so I, I definitely think Coloco is an interesting player. Um, he, he is one of the most athletic players in this class too. And, um, you know, he definitely is one of the best physical builds in this class as well. So uh, it, it's, he's an interesting pick. Uh, he's again, probably not somebody that I would pick. I think for a big, I'd rather just, find one in the free agency market or something who I know what he can do. Right. Um, I don't love using a draft pick on, I mean, on a traditional big, like to say a big is like not fair because you know, Jokic is, but a guy who's like a true, a guy who's like a true five. Yeah. I hear you. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think like a good comp for him would be like, you know, Jackson Hayes, who is good. Like he, Jackson Hayes has had like a solid, um, solid NBA career and he plays solid minutes. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, if he's closer to, like, Harry Giles, like, I wouldn't be shocked either. So, I, sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily um, think that that's, a, like, Harry Giles at, like, 
36 wouldn't necessarily have been the worst pick. It was a smart bet. Very different than Harry Giles at 20. Yeah, I hear exactly. you. I so, hear you. Um, you know, awesome. I think that, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, for lending your expertise, getting us caught up on the combine and some some Blazers targets. Uh, dear listeners, go read Brian's work. Like full fifty eight pick mock drafts, uh, features on everyone. The Leonard Miller feature. I'll link in the uh, episode description for this episode. It's great. It's how I learned about Leonard Miller. I had never heard of him. Then I learned about him, um, and then he didn't have a very good combine, and I was like, oops. Um, but yeah, go read go read Brian's work for the win.com uh and uh and he will get you abreast keep you abreast of everything you need to know heading into uh draft season. Brian, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was uh it was great to be on the show again. Oh uh, yeah, we'll have you back soon um because like I said, this time of year, I need your expertise. Dear listeners, come join me uh, five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. Tell your friends to do the same. Just search Lockdown Blazers. They'll find us waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.